Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Ebenezer family and friends. This morning, we're going to start a new sermon series on the book of 1 Peter entitled Chosen. And here's what I want to do this morning. Uh, first of all, I want to introduce this series and give you enough of a picture of what's to come in the weeks ahead that you won't want to miss any of the teachings. Second, I want to introduce the book of 1 Peter and place it in its proper context so that we can glean the most from this letter. And then third, I want to lead you through the opening verses of this letter and draw out a few truths that we can embrace in our lives this coming week. Now, I know that's a rather ambitious undertaking, but uh, I hope to accomplish this all in the next 25 to 30 minutes. So let's, let's dive right in. First Peter is grouped with two other small books that's tucked near the end of the Bible. So it's a book that's often uh, easily overlooked. However, even though it is small, it covers many important topics about the Christian life. Martin Luther described 1 Peter as a book that contained all that was necessary for a Christian to know. Now, there are a number of reasons why we have chosen the book of 1 Peter to study. First of all, it's extremely well relevant. One of the main themes of this book is hope amidst suffering. And since we all face trials in our lives that cause us pain, this book is automatically relevant to all of us. As one fam- famous preacher said, if you preach to the suffering, you will never lack a congregation for there is always a broken heart in every pew. I think that's true. This past year, the world has had the unique experience of suffering together through a pandemic. But more often, though, the trials we face are much more individual. This past week was the third anniversary of the Humboldt Bronco bus crash. I remember that day well, and people struggled with the question and place of suffering, as, as we all do when we find ourselves in the midst of suffering and tragedy. Peter's letter addresses those seasons of suffering in our lives. Second, uh, 1 Peter is is timely. And I say timely because the society in which we live is increasingly becoming like the society that this was written to. Culture has dramatically shifted around us. We we know that. Uh, This is nothing new as, as culture has always shifted and it's been shifting every year. However, there's been a steady and consistent movement away from the church and the biblical values we hold over the last 60 years for sure. In one generation, we have shifted from being a Christian culture to a post-Christian culture where our belief system is no longer seen as relevant or necessary. And now even in the last few years, we've experienced an increasing anti-Christian culture where Our beliefs and values are no longer just ignored, they are often mocked and ridiculed and attacked. And churches who continue to hold biblical views on on moral issues are dismissed and intimidated and silenced and even threatened at times. Governments have enacted policies like the attestation uh, that organizations had to sign to receive summer student grants a few years ago. And they have put laws in place like the conversion therapy bylaw, which go well beyond the stated objective and target religious organizations and destroy the structure of the family. There is little doubt that we are witnessing a massive shift away from Christian values. 
as my wife often says, the world's upside down. And I would add, and getting more and more hostile toward anyone who doesn't agree with, with and support their views. You know, it's a challenge to know how to live out our faith in a culture whose worldview and beliefs and values and actions are so different from ours. An article I recently read identified three common ways the church has responded to the shifting culture around us. Uh, some churches simply just ignore it. Uh, they treat it with indifference like it's not there. Other churches uh, pull away. They know it's there, but they, they pull away and try and hide from it by creating their own safe parallel Christian context to live in. And some actually slam it or an attack society. That approach never seems to work well, though. But living in a culture where governments do not embrace the church's beliefs and value systems puts us in great company. This is the exact context the Christians Peter was writing to found themselves in. We read in the very first few verses that Peter is writing to the believers who have been scattered across the Middle East during the early stages of persecution. In fact, uh, this first letter of 1 Peter is one of the earliest Christian documents to address relationships between Christians and governments and society. And Peter is reaching out to believers who are feeling alone and beat up both figuratively and also literally and feeling fearful about their lives and their future. Along with the words of support and encouragement to help them keep their suffering in perspective, Peter also instructs them how they should live as Christians in their non-Christian world. And as we move through this letter in the weeks to come, we're going to see that Peter encourages them to live honorably and holy lives wherever they find themselves and whatever circumstances they find themselves in, to uh, endure suffering, to live within social structures, and to be respectful to those outside of the faith. All principles that we can apply to our lives in context today. Now, just as a quick side note, uh, because I have seen lots of posts on social media that describe the government during this pandemic, uh, or the government's actions during this pandemic as persecution. What we're experiencing right now is minor compared to the persecution and suffering the followers of Jesus faced at the time when this letter is written. The persecution we face today in Canada is, is nothing close to the persecution of, of Peter's original audience. And it's nothing compared to what believers in different parts of the world are currently facing, which is why the book of 1 Peter is cherished in other countries and other settings. Now, there's, there's a third reason why we are looking at this book. It's because it is theologically rich. Peter explained what it means to be the new covenant people of God, saying in chapter 2, For once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. And most of chapter 2 speaks of our new identity as God's people, that we're chosen by Him, that we're holy through Him, that we're priests for Him, that we're living stones being used by Him, that we're loved and blessed by God because we are His, examples of His wonderful mercy and grace in this world. To really know and understand and embrace our true identity as God's new covenant people is transformational. And I look forward to the sermon when we explore this in more, more detail. Finally, uh, the final reason why we are going to look at this book is, is because it's, it's very practical. 
Not that other letters written aren't, but, but Peter comes across more like a practitioner than, than a theologian like Paul. At the heart of this book are instructions on how to live our lives in a non-Christian world. He freely uses the S word. <laughs> now let me explain that. I remember one time one of my sons came home from school and he was probably in about grade one or two at the time. We could tell that he was concerned about something and when we inquired, he, he told us why he was upset. Someone in his class used the S word. Now, our minds were, were worrying as we were trying to think of the, the, all the possible bad S words that he might have heard. And I think finally Brenda asked him, well, what did he say? And, and my son says, they said, shut up. Well, Peter uses other S words that we don't like to hear. And these S words are things like suffering and submission. In this letter, we read about the kind of person God is calling us to be in the relationships we have in life as citizens, as employees, in our marriages, with our family, and in the church. You know, very practical stuff. And it's going to be interesting to look at those things in more detail in the weeks ahead. Okay, now let me look uh, just with an introduction at, at 1 Peter. I want to begin by reading just the first uh, three verses. And this is what it says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, Exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Now, in this first verse, uh, both the author and the audience are identified. The author is Peter. Most of you will know that, uh, who that is, but, but for those who, who may not, he's one of the original disciples. He's a rough, tough, kind of salt-of-the-earth fisherman. Uh, he was outspoken, often impulsive, but a natural leader and a very courageous preacher. He's the one who first recognized that Jesus Christ was the Son of the living God. Also the one to first deny him when the authorities turned on Jesus. But by God's mercy, Peter became a fearless and outspoken servant of the Lord. And he was known to be a leader of the early church. And eventually, he suffered and died because of his faith. His audience is God's elect, scattered through the, throughout the Middle East. These are our chosen people living as foreigners, as it says in the New Living Translation, or temporary residents dispersed, as it says in the Holman Translation who are experiencing growing persecution. But we also see something else in these opening verses that's worth noting, and, and that is that they are chosen. They're chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. They're, they're sanctified, or another way of saying that is set apart by the Spirit for obedience, and then they're sprinkled or cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And these three statements not only reveal the Trinity, they, they become a foundation for all that Paul, Peter is going to say in the rest of his letter. His starting point, which is inspired by God, to these believers who have been scattered by persecution, uh, is this. And we know that from this book of Acts that, that this persecution was significant. You know, if we quickly look at it, that involves stonings and beatings and imprisonments and murderous plots and executions, all for spreading the truth about Christ. And we know from history that just after this letter is written, 
the persecution against the church and followers of Christ intensified under Nero, who was an emperor who was obsessed with eliminating Christians and their faith. The Roman historian uh, Tacitus said this, besides being put to death, meaning Christians, uh, Christians were made to serve as objects of amusement. They were clad in the hides of beasts and they were torn to death by dogs. Others were crucified and still others set on fire to serve to illuminate the night when daylight failed. It was awful, awful time. And this was the, the price, the high price for being a follower of Jesus Christ. During these terrible persecutions, believers were forced to choose between the emperor and Christ. Those who chose Christ often died for their faith. And both Paul and Peter are believed to have been victims of Nero's reign of terror. And it was in this intense, uncertain, scary environment that Peter's first words to those suffering under persecution were, you're chosen. You're chosen by the foreknowledge of God to be his faithful followers at this very moment in history. And in saying that, he was really saying that, that I want you to know when you're out there alone that, that God sees you, that he knows your situation. In fact, he has known this from the very beginning of time. And everything is taking place according to his foreknowledge. You're set apart. God, by his Spirit, is making you holy. And he's making you holy often through the trials that you're facing. He's using these things to purify and to strengthen your faith. And don't forget you're cleansed. Remember that you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And his blood has secured your place with him in heaven in glory. And then he ends that first section with grace and peace be yours in abundance. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, may God give you more and more peace. I want to just linger on this final sentence in Peter's opening words because this is my prayer for you today. That no matter what circumstance that you find yourself in, whether you're feeling alone and beat up in your faith, whether you're feeling whether your life circumstances are filled with challenges and angst, whether you're feeling helpless and hopeless in the trials that you're suffering, the things that are facing you, we need God's grace and peace more now than ever. So wherever you find yourself today, may God's grace and peace be multiplied in your life. The passage continues in in verse 3 in one of the most hope-inspiring, perspective-giving, truth-filled, eternity-focused passages of the entire Bible. This is what it says, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, 
may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. When I read these verses, my mind automatically goes to all those I know who are in the midst of of these extreme trials that tend to overwhelm us. Uh, Like my aging parents and other seniors who, who realize that life on earth is coming to an end. And these verses bring real hope and they bring true joy in our lives. I think of people who are facing a daunting medical diagnoses and outside of, the, of a miracle from God, they have to come to grips with the realities of their failing health and the many losses that this will bring in their lives and the lives of family and friends. From the world's point of view, uh, these are some of the darkest, devastating and challenging times of their life. But in these verses, they can find hope. I think of those who are struggling with the loss of a loved one. This world feels pretty empty right now, especially with the, with the added pressure of the social isolation during the pandemic. Again, reading these verses can change our sadness to joy and our, and our darkness to, to light. I think of people who are experiencing mental and emotional challenges. Maybe uh, they're even feeling that, that the trials in front of them are, are too great and that the suffering that they are experiencing is, is too much to bear. And these verses breathe truth into, into our souls and, and they can restore us. Now what I love about this passage is actually where Peter begins. He doesn't begin with the trial and the suffering and the things that we have no control over. Instead, he begins by praising God and focusing on those things in our life that will never change and can never be taken away from us. Again, look at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter praised God for his great mercy, for uh, our new birth, for this living hope that we have. Verse 4 continues, And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. You see, he's speaking about an inheritance that could never perish or spoil or fade because it's waiting in heaven for us, which is in direct contrast to our lives on earth and the things that we often experience, which seem to be perishing and spoiling and fading all around us. You see, God's power is is the one that guards us, is the thing that guards us and protects our salvation. And Peter says, it's in these things that we rejoice. Though now, for a while, we may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. (laughs) It's almost like Peter is including our trials and suffering as as an afterthought. You know, something that's small in comparison to the wonderful truth of God's grace in our lives and the wonderful promises of our our sure future. And that brings me to to, um, 
a key takeaway I want you to think about and remember. And that's simply this. Um, Don't focus on your trials and challenges in life. Rather, as Peter says, fixate on the promises of God. Uh, These are are a great reminder that, that our focus needs to be fixed on the promised on our promised future and not on our present circumstances because in in one we have hope and the other we we just experience despair now listen trials and suffering are going to be part of all our lives you may not be experiencing that right now but uh, one day you will and so that's why it's good to decide up front what our focus is going to be Peter goes one step further when he talks about our trials. He connects our trials to our our faith, saying this, that these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Our genuine faith, your genuine faith, is precious to the Lord. It's so precious, he's describing it, that it's more precious than the most precious things on this earth. It's more precious than gold. This verse is not saying that God tests us to prove our faith. In other words, he, 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 God does not bring intentionally bring hardship into our lives to see if we really love him. He, he's not trying to trip us up. Rather, what this verse is saying is that these trials that come our way uh, come our way because we live in a broken world. And, and, but they have a way of purifying us and they have a way of, of strengthening our faith. You know, just think about that in your context. As you look back over your life, when has your faith grown the most? Well, if you're like me, it's grown the most in times of challenge. It's grown the most in times of trial. It's grown the most when I've had to experience suffering and pain in my life. That's when we usually recognize, as did the psalmist in his suffering, these wonderful words that that's when it says in Psalm 73 that, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. You know, in other words, like around me I have, I have nothing else to offer. And he goes on and says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Uh, trials are never fun, are they? I know I've experienced some things I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. But what they produce in us when our eyes are fixed on Jesus are those things that can never change or be taken from us. It strengthens our faith. And those things bring praise and glory and honor to God our Lord Jesus Christ. They also can fill our lives with inexpressible joy. Which sounds confusing because we don't normally associate joy with the trials in our life. But today, in whatever trials you're facing, may you experience joy. And not in your trial, but in the promises of eternity that will never fade away. Now, I I don't really have enough time to look at the last three verses in detail in this section. 
However, uh, that shouldn't stop you from reading and thinking about them on your own. But let me just kind of summarize uh, verses 10 through uh, uh, 12 for you right now. And this is really what, what, what he's saying, what Peter's saying. He's saying, he's reminding the people that he's writing to that all that he has spoken about Christ and the salvation that we have were things the prophets only dreamed about and prophesied about. They did not fully understand all that they were saying and they would have loved to know what you know right now. And so he's saying, I I want you to feel blessed because you are blessed. Well, I, I trust that you see the importance of this letter to our lives. It encourages believers to remain strong. It explains how to live during difficult times in our lives. And it offers hope to all who suffer for the faith. I really want to encourage you this week to take a moment to to read 1 Peter. It's only five chapters long. So it's not going to take you long to to read, but but it will fill you with courage and strength and hope for whatever circumstances you find yourself in today. God bless, and I look forward to you joining us in the rest of this series. Let me pray. Father, thank you again for your word that is so powerful and so relevant and so practical. And may may your word sink deep into our, our soul today as we think about our lives and have our focus on you. So we commit ourselves to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.